Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 464. Coming to you on Wednesday, November 23rd. It is Thanksgiving Eve, and we are here to preview USC and Notre Dame locking horns at the Coliseum, 4.30 p.m. on ABC. As always, we're going to preview the game, look over our over-under picks, and so much more. You can follow us on social media. We're at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, are, we are there. Our email address, reignoftroyatfanside.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, and you can follow me on Twitter at MichaelCastFS for, for now, I guess. Uh, and I'm joined along with my wonderful co-host, Penguin of Troy on Twitter, Elisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, at, at some point, we got to start putting our, our mastodon in there, maybe. What do you think? I hope not. I, I really don't want to learn Mastodon. I've, I've opened up that site and I just, I'm comfortable with where I'm at at Twitter. I don't want to have to learn a new social media pl- pr- uh, platform. It was hard enough getting no. me over onto TikTok and now I feel comfortable on TikTok, but like I'm firmly a lurker and like if I had to find a new social media platform to to not be a lurker on, I just, ugh, please, please don't. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're, we're, we're going to go take, take Twitter down with the ship, but uh, we hope you guys can follow us there along with uh, everywhere else we're at, including YouTube, where we're live right now. A uh, big shout out to everyone who is joining us live on this Wednesday. Uh, of course, it is the day before Thanksgiving, so we appreciate everyone for joining us along. 
Uh, if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, maybe this will be a little bit of a chat um, as you go to grandma's house or your your parents' house or your cousin's house or whoever's house. Uh, it'll it'll be a, a good time uh, for you on Thursday. We hope we are currently on the road, as we've mentioned before this week, up in Washington with family and friends. Uh, we hope that you, all of you, all the Robots, have a great, uh, you know, Thanksgiving as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the big one, though, is USC and Notre Dame coming up on Saturday night. We'll talk about that one in a little bit, but we got to start with the news. Alicia, the college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday. They come out every Tuesday night. The Trojans, number five in the AP poll, number five in the coaches poll. You could have assumed they'd be number five in the college football playoff rankings. They are not. The Trojans rank number six behind the LSU Tigers, of whom the Tigers have two losses. Uh, what's what's the deal? The committee said that they value LSU's wins over, over uh, Ole Miss and Alabama over... Uh, the wins that USC currently has and over the losses that, that LSU currently has. Um, I think that there's a lot of uproar about the whole being ranked behind LSU thing. And I think a lot of it has to do from the committee perspective. A lot of it has to do that USC still hasn't played two of its tougher games of the season. When we talk about USC being a playoff worthy team, if they're undefeated at the end of the season, it's essential that USC has the two wins that they have coming up to bolster their resume not having those yet means that USC's resume is incomplete where LSU might have two losses, but their wins at this point, the committee judges them as stronger. Now is the committee correct? I can certainly make an argument against uh, the value of an Ole Miss win for a team that is now ranked 20th. And uh, I don't think we can assume we'll get out of Dodge uh, this week without adding a fourth loss to their resume. And I think we can have a discussion about whether or not Alabama is being overranked and um, overvalued as a as a win for a team like LSU, given that they have two losses, including one really, really bad loss uh, on the season. So there's all sorts of debates that you could have about the thing. To me, one thing stands. Win and you're in. If USC yeah. is undefeated at the end of the season, I do not think that the, the college football playoff committee will leave them out. And here's why. There's a lot of back and forth about does USC being behind LSU at this point mean that LSU, if LSU beats Georgia, that that will mean that LSU will get in, Georgia will get in, and USC will get left out. I straight up do not believe that to be the case. And here's why. There have been eight playoffs so far with 15 Power 5 champions left out of the playoff. Only twice two years were power five champs with just one loss left out of the playoff in 2014 Baylor and TCU were co-champions of the big 12. Both were 11 and one Alabama, Oregon, FSU and Ohio state were all conference champions. They all had 12 wins and they all had no, no one had more than one loss. They got in instead. So the one loss big 12 champ didn't get in because of what the other power five champs had done. That is essentially, you know, this is puts the Big 12, Big 12 on the path to create a Big 12 title game because they needed that extra win. In 2018, Ohio State is 12-1 and and a Big 10 champ. They get left out. 
in favor of a 12 and one Oklahoma big 12 champ in a season where undefeated Notre Dame basically changed the dynamics of whether or not a conference championship was the end all be all because if Notre Dame is undefeated, then two power five conference champions are going to get, get left out each year instead of one. So Ohio state only gets left out because the committee preferred 12 and one Oklahoma as the big 12 champs. So they were debating between a big 10 champ and a big 12 champ. And I might also add that that Oklahoma team is a really good case study for USC. Because one of the big reasons that the, that the committee right now has USC at number five at number six, instead of number five is because the committee is concerned about USC's defense. They want to see more from USC's defense. Well, the 2018 Oklahoma team that got into the playoff over 12 and one Ohio state was almost mirroring this team in terms of incredible offense and real bad defense. In fact, that Oklahoma team gave up 33.3 points per game that season. Like USC's defense is better (laughs) than that defense was. They allowed 40 plus points to Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas, West Virginia. But they beat three ranked teams in a row to end their season. And that's what got them in. Does that sound familiar to you, Michael? USC has the opportunity to beat three ranked teams to get in. By the way, 2018 Oklahoma was ranked number six at this point in the season. So, again, the mirror there. What about one loss non-champions who have potentially been considered for the playoff? Essentially, they never get in if if Power 5 champions are available with similar records. In 2015, Iowa was left out because they lost to Michigan State in the Big Big Ten title game by three points. Instead... They put in 11 and one Big 12 champ Oklahoma. Oklahoma was ranked number seven on November 21st. They finished the season with a win over Oklahoma State and got in over an Iowa team that had one loss by three points in their conference championship game and could have put, could have been in if they wanted to have a big a Big Ten uh, double whammy in there. They didn't. Another one that could have had a situation where they left out an Oklahoma team that was 11 and one in 2015. Or a, another team that that could have had a one-loss non-champion get in was Ohio State that same year, 2015. They didn't get to play in the Big Ten title game because they'd lost to Michigan State the week before, and that was also a, a three-point loss. But one-loss Ohio State that didn't have a Big Ten title to their name didn't get in over any of the other four conference champions. So when we look at the history of the of the committee. Power five champions get in unless another power five, one loss or less team takes their place. One loss non-champions don't tend to get in. So if we're talking about does USC get in over Georgia? Well, Georgia is a unique case because Georgia is the only team in college football playoff history to get into the playoff after losing their conference title game appearance. That was last year. But last year was also a perfect storm. Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC title game and has one loss. But the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC champions, they all had two-plus losses. If Oklahoma State, who was number five going into the Big 12 title game, hadn't lost to Baylor in that game, I don't think they would have been left out in favor of Georgia. What I really think would have happened is Oklahoma State would have ranked ahead of Georgia, who would have kicked Cincinnati out of the playoff. But Cincinnati would have only been involved in that whole thing because the Pac-12 and the ACC didn't have 
a one loss or less champion to keep Georgia out of that in that scenario. The only other time that a team from uh, the same conference has made it in, i.e. one conference champion and one non-conference champion, was in 2017. That's when 11-1 and Alabama got in. But they only had to beat out two lost conference champions, Ohio State and, and USC. So they didn't get to play in the SEC title game. But if the Big Ten or the SC or the, the Pac-12 had produced a one-loss conference champion, I think it's pretty clear based on the activity of the of the committee this entire time that Alabama would have been left out in favor of a one-loss Ohio State or a one-loss USC. They didn't have one loss. So that's why Alabama got in. Here's the other element, the final element that I think is 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 the the factor here if you're thinking about this very specific hypothetical where an unlikely hypothetical, by the way, where LSU beats Georgia, and then it's a debate between two lost LSU that is an SEC champion or one lost Georgia that is not an SEC champion. I don't think Georgia gets in over USC on resume either. Georgia's reputation right now is better than their resume, and that is a deserved reputation. I'm not dogging Georgia. But Georgia only has two wins, uh, two ranked wins on their on their slate right now. They beat Tennessee and they beat Oregon. Impressive wins. But if we get to the end of the season and both of those teams are one loss, Georgia and USC, Georgia will still only have ranked wins over Tennessee and Oregon. And Tennessee is probably going to continue to fall because of losses that they sustained even before Hendon Hooker got injured. USC, on the other hand, would have a win over Notre Dame, a win over UCLA, a win over Utah, three teams that we assume are going to stay ranked this season and they will have either a win over well, a, a win over Utah or Oregon, presumably. Well, championship well, so here's the thing is they will either have a, another ranked win over Oregon state, an Oregon state team that beats Oregon, or they will have a win over Oregon. Assuming that Oregon knocks Oregon state out of the play out of the, uh, the top 25, but then faces USC in the PAC 12 title game. So USC would have twice as many ranked wins as Georgia with a common opponent that USC would also have beaten. And their losses would have been to an LSU team and a Utah team that by that measure wouldn't be terribly difficult, difficult to separate. The, 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 the difference maker in that, in that debate would be conference title. USC would have a conference title and Georgia would not. Do I think that the committee is always very predictable? They aren't. Certainly not when they're ranking in week 13 and 14. But when it comes to week 15 ranks, which are the rank that puts the playoff in, in place, they are extremely predictable. They follow a very predictable pattern. They favor conference champions, and they favor teams that, are, that have one loss or fewer. USC would check those boxes. They're not getting left out. I know that people don't always agree with me. I know that people are are mistrustful of the SEC trying to get to SEC teams in, of the committee trying to get to SEC teams in. I get it. The system is rigged. There's SEC bias everywhere. All of that kind of stuff. I'm I'm sympathetic to that. But the fact remains, if you follow the season out through to the end, USC at 12 and 1 will not be left out of the top 4. I can I I the more research I've done, the more firm I am about that. The important thing is getting to 12 and 1, which by the way, yeah. the odds of USC being 12 and 1 and LSU beating Georgia are astronomically small. So like we don't need to spend like any more time on this hypothetical, but also 
USC controls their own destiny, and no one will convince me of that otherwise. Where did I go wrong there, Michael? I don't think you went anywhere wrong. I think that the thing that people need to remember about the the college football playoff um, rankings, the ones that come out on Tuesday nights, they are it, it's an it is a test situation for them. It's an about it's uh, it's an experiment. What do you call it? Um, uh, examination? What's what's the word? Um, Whatever. It's, yeah, it's it's a practice run. Yes, it's, practice a, it's runs. a practice run with the idea of if the season ended today. They don't look at anything in the future. They look at just the season as it's gone. And just the season as it's gone doesn't favor SC right now because SC still has two of its biggest wins still to go. Um, As it stands now, SC is going to play two top 15 teams, Um, whether it's Notre Dame and Utah or Notre Dame and and Oregon, whoever it is, uh, Notre Dame and Washington on a fluky situation. Those all those teams are in the top fifteen. Um, SC is going to have the wins there because right now the committee talks about uh, there, there were quotes talking about the the, um, the the wins from from LSU were were impressive to the committee. That's fine. LSU has has beaten Alabama and, and beaten Ole Miss, and you look at USC's ranked wins. SC has wins over UCLA and Oregon State. As it stands right now. Uh, Okay, the committee favoring wins over Alabama and, and Ole Miss over UCLA and Oregon State. Who cares? That's not mm-hmm. the it's not the end story when it all comes down to a week and a half from now, right? Um, or th- like that's not what the end story is going to be. So take a deep breath. We'll we'll see how things come to be. Um, the the committee valuing wins is a good thing for SC, who just who has a schedule that's so backloaded that will allow them to finish the season with a string of ranked wins. Uh, I, I think you talk about the Georgia situation. Yeah, I think I test alone, there's probably going to be a lot of people who would put one loss Georgia in over USC. Um, but you mentioned, you talk about the history and all that stuff. Doesn't necessarily favor the the SEC loser, with the exception of, of last year in, in a weird scenario where it played out that, that it would sort of make sense there. But just take a deep breath, everybody. Take the, a deep breath. I don't. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I know that it's that it's uncomfortable now to look at USC at number six, but like you said, the history is on SC's side here. I understand the skepticism about the SEC stuff, but like, if the committee was truly hell bent on supporting the SEC, they'd be finagling away for. Um, you know, like Tennessee wouldn't be ranked behind Oregon and Clemson right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Texas A&M Certainly would have been in the playoff Oregon. in twenty in 2020, by the way, uh, yeah. if that was the case. But also, like, the, the Georgia thing, just one last thing to add. The eye test impervious Georgia that we all see isn't losing to LSU. Exactly. So, like, if like they nobody lose Nobody thinks L- that, that LSU's winning that game. Yeah. So, if, so they, if they lost to LSU, though then their imperviousness would no longer be the eye test that we've all seen because they lost to LSU. So like, yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, so let's talk about Saturday. Uh, More, more, more actual pressing things that USC actually has control over. And also, by the way, you can't be a playoff contender if you lose this game coming up. So yeah, exactly. Uh, Saturday, Saturday night, 4 30 PM Pacific on ABC. Uh, 
this is the big one. We talked about last week being the big one. Well, this one even bigger, given the stakes that USC has. Certainly not a high-stakes game in terms of the conference. It's not a conference game. But if USC wants to get to the playoff, you've got to go through your arch-rival Notre Dame to do it. And this is the dream scenario for SC, I think. You get your rival, both rivals, UCLA and Notre Dame, in back-to-back weeks at the end of the season in prime time with your Heisman candidate quarterback having the opportunity to be on the center stage. And one week have Gus Johnson call his game, and the next week you, you've got the top ABC crew, and you know, Kirk Herbstreet and the whole bit there. Like this is the dream scenario um, for the Trojans going forward is to be on center stage and have your have yourself a, a chance to win those style points. Um, Notre Dame, of course, a, a very interesting team. I've talked to you, Alicia, like, <laughs> offline. Way to put it. <laughs> that I don't know that there's a Notre Dame team I feel less confident in knowing anything about than this one. Like I, I feel more confident in knowing. Uh, like the 2009 Notre Dame team that was real bad, 2007 Notre Dame team that was real bad. This one is such a interesting Notre Dame team in that they fell out of favor super on uh, early on in the season with the loss to Marshall. They got beat by a really bad Stanford team. Which... But since then, they've been one of the hottest teams in, in America. Absolutely drubbed Clemson. Uh, they've been a wrecking ball the last month or so, uh, taking care of business, uh, scoring you know 40, uh, 45 points almost a, a game the last few games. Like everything's kind of coming to fruition for them. But you look at the the metrics. This is just a good Notre Dame team. It's mm-hmm. a very good Notre Dame team that I think is well coached in a first year by Martin Freeman. Uh, eight and three so far through 11 games. He's a first year coach who I think has shown tendencies to be in a first, a first year coach and someone who is continuing to learn and learn and learn. There's a lot to like about this Notre Dame team, but do they compare to UCLA last week? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think there's anyone on this Notre Dame team. That's going to keep you up at night. Like, like the, the DTRs and the Zach Charbonnets, the Bruins, uh, the the Irish ranked twenty uh, sorry thirty eighth uh, in in SB plus thirty second on defense sixty fourth on offense twenty third on special teams uh, they're just about good at everything great at just about nothing terrible at just about nothing uh, you look at the rankings and so many of the teams we've talked about this year have been a hundred and twenty something in this a hundred and thirty something in that uh, top five in this and top five in this. You know, UCLA, a prime example, right? Like there were defensive metrics that were really bad, offensive metrics that were really good. This Notre Dame team is just about decent in literally everything. Um, And in college football, if you are decent at everything, you're going to be a pretty good football team and win a lot of games. Uh, And when you're a hot team that is excelling on special teams, 23rd and SP plus special teams, including seven seven blocked kicks this year, um, you're going to win your games. You're going to win a lot of your close games, and you're going to be able to um, put together a run later on in the season. Um, but I and, – and 
in saying that, I think that this is absolutely a team that SC needs to be worried worried of. Um, defensively, uh, they have held teams in check, but at the same time, Drake May of, of North Carolina threw for five touchdowns uh, against the Irish. Uh, Stanford beat Notre Stanford. Dame. I like. I just have. It, there's such a conundrum to me. Like I, the most comparable team that we could come up with was was Oregon State. Yeah. And I think that part of what made Oregon State such a scary matchup for SC in Week Three was that it was on the road in Corvallis in a hostile location, and we knew that they were a team that could play. Um, you know, uh, a type of, of tempo and, and throw little wrinkles at you offensively and everything. And that turned out to be a, a defensive dogfight that I don't think we expected. This could be that defensive dogfight, but I don't know that Notre Dame has the offensive firepower to keep up with the Trojans. Drew Pine, uh, good. I, I don't think he's a top five quarterback on USC's schedule um, compared to your Cam Risings, your uh, your Jaden Dolores, your DTRs, um, he's a little bit of a step back. He, he, he just is. You're being generous to call Drew Pine good. And he's, I know those are bad. those are famous last words, but he is the definition of, 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 of medium. He is the definition of... Is that what people are saying in your, your alum circle? <laughs> your alum chat? Well, people are saying in my uh, not alum chats is that he's the least talented quarterback that USC has faced this season. So... That's from Notre Dame fans. Um, yeah, the 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 situation with Notre Dame is is weird. They are one of the better defenses that USC will have faced, but I don't know that they're the best defense. I still think that Washington State uh, is is sort of more up there uh, in terms of of better defenses that that USC has faced. Um, their offense is starting to find itself. Um, they have a target that in Michael Mayer that genuinely could pull a Dalton Kincaid. Uh, and I saw a quote from Alex Grinch uh, this afternoon about how, you know, what's the game plan for stopping Mayer uh, the way that they couldn't stop Kincaid. And, and his thing was just like maybe tackle him when he gets the ball. Um, so it, it really it could start. be that simple. Um, that would really help. Uh, easier said than done for a lot of these guys. But that's the thing that USC is going to have to, to focus on. But I think that the the difficulty here with this Notre Dame team, like you've sort of laid out, is they're 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 good, not great. Um, they're capable, but not exceptional. And you have to wonder, like, what does it take to stop a USC offense of this caliber? Because let's say let's go in and be honest about USC's defense the the turnovers that they scored uh, that they that they forced against UCLA were the difference in the game but even with those turnovers they allowed 45 points so you know maybe maybe Drew Pine i think if you're a Notre Dame fan you have to look at Drew Pine and think can he replicate what Jack Plummer did to USC in that Jack Plummer is not an exceptional quarterback from Cal, yeah, but he was able to throw against this USC defense and and make it interesting. Can Drew Pine replicate that performance? And I think he could if Jack Plummer could do it against this this defense. Certainly. So let's say that you expect USC's defense to uh, give. Let's see. Let's say USC. You expect um, USC's defense to let Notre Dame Notre Dame's offense sort of operate at their peak. Well, they're 
peak on offense isn't that good. It's not Caleb Williams level good. It's not 45-40 shootouts level good. So it comes down to can this Notre Dame defense stop Caleb Williams and company? And that's the question because, yes, they are one of the better defenses USC has played, but they're not the best, like I said. SP Plus has Washington State number 12 in defense, Oregon State number 20, Utah number 28, Notre Dame checks in at number 32. What did USC do to Washington State, Oregon State, and, and Utah? They certainly blew up on, on Utah. They certainly scored enough points against Washington State. Oregon State is the one outlier there, and that was, to me, the impact of Caleb Williams going on the road in a hostile environment for the first time in a USC uniform yeah. and playing – frankly, in an unrecognizable uh, fashion in that game. But you also look at, you know, FPI has as Washington State, Utah, and Oregon State ranked ahead of US, uh, ahead of Notre Dame defensively. Scoring defense, Washington State and Utah are ahead of Notre Dame uh, in, in that metric. Total defense, Notre Dame is the best defense that USC has faced, but Utah and Oregon State aren't too far behind in terms of total defense. Rushing defense, yeah, Notre Dame has a good rush defense, but it's not better than UCLA's or Washington State's or Utah's, and USC ran the ball on all three of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, their pass defense is by far the best pass defense that USC has faced. They're 16th, Fresno State was 35th, Utah 50th, Oregon State 60th. Part of me wonders, though, like if you are a Pac-12 defense, even a good one, I feel like your pass defense is never going to rank well nationally because of sure. the quarterbacks that you play in this league. Right. Notre Dame has not played a quarterback of Caleb Williams caliber this no, entire I, season. Hold on. Well, they, they played Drake May. and They Dra- played think- Drake May and they played C.J. Stroud. Now, yes. C.J. Stroud in that first game was, anyone who watched that first game could tell you, Ohio State didn't know what the hell their offense was yet. Ohio State's offense in the first three weeks of the season was a big old, like, what are, like, What's going on with their receivers and the injuries? What's going on with Stroud? What's going on with the run game? What's going on? Like, Ohio State needed to find their footing. CJ Stroud needed to find his footing. Um, Drake May is the closest thing to Caleb Williams that that Notre Dame has faced this year. And Drake May put up five touchdowns and 300 yards on this Notre Dame uh, pass defense. So do I think that Caleb Williams could replicate what Drake May did to this Notre Dame team? You have to assume so because I think Caleb Williams yeah. is head and shoulders above Drake May, and that's knowing how good Drake May is. That's that's a reflection of how good Caleb Williams is. Um, the interesting thing, I think, to point out about Notre Dame's defense is, is what they do with the red zone because um, I think if you look at the stats, they're all either strong or worst, like middling, Um they're, you know, where where they're weak, they're like still top 50, except for red zone conversions where they are 125th, basically, uh, and touchdown conversions, they're 128th. If you get into the red zone against the Notre Dame team, you're generally scoring touchdowns. Yeah. But they also don't let you into the red zone very often. So that's maybe a, a question to have. Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be an interesting part for me. I, th- I think that you mentioned the other defenses SC has played, Oregon State, uh, Washington State. Um, certainly, we- we've talked about it before. Oregon State probably, uh, we all agree, is a top 25 team. Washington State, a top 40 team who, 
it's sort of gotten unlucky with the number of good teams that they've had to play. All their losses have been to good teams. Yeah. Um, well, okay, go back and look at those two games. Offensively, they were USC's worst defensive, I mean, offensive games of the year. The only two games in which SC did not have over 400 yards. Um, and there's only there's only two games that SC did not have over 400 yards, Oregon State and Washington State. The Oregon State game, SC pulls out of the pulls out of their ass with with the Nilon nudge. We know how that went, but it was a game in which the defense stood on their head, uh, created four turnovers, um, turned that game around from the Trojans on the road in Corvallis. But it was two months ago. Yeah, this team is so different than they were two months ago, and we've talked about it before that that defensively, SC in the first six games were significantly better than they have been since the Eric Gentry injury. And I think that that certainly is concerning. And when you look at Notre Dame's offense and their production towards the second half of the season, they are much more potent now than they would have been back then if SC played them then. At the same point, the the Washington State game, um, that was a a game that, that Caleb Williams struggled in as well, not nearly as bad as the Oregon State game, but those are the only two games that you can say Caleb Williams struggled in, he has been just boffo since then. Uh, SC's offense in yards per play has been uh, over eight in, in three of the last five games. SC has gained at least 515 yards in every game since that Washington State game. So, yes, I think that you know Notre Dame can probably keep SC in check more than than. Arizona and Cal and Colorado and UCLA. But this is a team that is performing on such a high level right now that I don't think that that means they suddenly turn into the pumpkin that went up on the road to Corvallis and needed a miracle to get out of there with a win. I, I think SC right now is, is at a completely different level on, on offense. And if they continue to get uh, more contribution um, from the depth of the receivers that they've had, I think that's only going to help. If Austin Jones can continue to be absolutely feeling it like he has in the last six quarters of football, that's certainly going to help. Uh, if SC can get some some action from, from Mario Williams, we saw him against UCLA a little bit. Uh, he had the big drop there. He had one, ca- uh, one catch against the Bruins, but he hadn't played in a few games. If he can get back a little, little more healthy, that will help. If Eric Gentry can, can see the field a little bit more, that should only help. For me, the big test here is can SC prepare and be ready at home with all the pressure on them in the world? Can they come through and play with that pressure off the win of UCLA to the point where they don't make a inferior team look to the level that Cal did? Yeah. Uh, and, and if they do that, if they pass that test, I don't see any problem here. I, I I like SC to come out here with all the momentum from last week and really show who they are uh, and make this a statement game for the Trojans. Uh, I like I'm not gonna say that there's no chance in which they you know they they come out and 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 you know have a letdown or any of those things. Uh, I would be you know stupid to say that that's not possible given SC's first quarter last week the first quarter the week before against Colorado, how the Colorado fourth quarter went and all those things. We need, still need to see 60 minutes out of SC. And I'm not going to say they're going to have a perfect 60 minutes on Saturday, but 
like well, th- th- things are trending too well for SC right now not to have a big showing on Saturday. Is that naive? No, I I, I agree, and and the truth is that if they don't, if they if they do lay an egg, then they're not the team we thought they were. Yeah, and they're not ready for the playoff, and and they're not ready for the Pac-12 title game, and they're not ready for for the big time. Yeah. And I think you and I both agree that it's year one. I don't know that we expected them to be. Um, but when you look at, at at what we've seen from the individuals on this team, I want them to be. I want Caleb Williams to rise to that occasion. I believe he will. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, then it's just because he wasn't ready for it. And you move on to uh, to what goes on, see if you can win the Pac-12 and, and, and go on. But when it comes down to it, USC should be able to withstand whatever Notre Dame – throws at them i don't think it's going to be a blowout i think it's going to be a tight game when it comes down to it who are who are you putting the game on are you putting the game on caleb williams or you're putting the game on drew pine because i know who i'm voting for there right it's going to be caleb williams and you know greg in the chat says nd cannot score enough points to beat sc and to me that's what it comes down to i I think that's correct I, i look back at the washington state game and yes sc struggled um relatively on offense 5.35 yards per play we'll compare that to uh, what they were doing against against you know UCLA last week, but they still scored thirty points against Washington State. If they score thirty points on Saturday night, I'm going to be feeling pretty good about SC's chances. Well, and that's the thing is is um, even if this Notre Dame defense slows USC down the way that you you pointed out Washington State and Oregon State and and those did, you still need to be able to score more points. You, you're not going to stop this defense. You're going to slow yeah. them down. Or you're going to this offense. You're going to slow them down. You still need to score more points. When you look at what what Notre Dame's offense has available to them, I do, like Drew Pine is not the quarterback that has lit up this USC defense, and that is something that I think people are losing sight of when we talk about the USC defense. The USC defense. Remember the first six weeks. The USC defense was holding teams to, to to 20 points and under. Yeah, They were getting the job done. They were adjusting in the second half. They were getting to the quarterback. They were sacking him. They were forcing turnovers. They were doing everything that you do against that caliber of quarterback. What happened in the last five weeks? The caliber of quarterback changed. Yeah. Cam Rising was up to the task. Jaden Delora, we know his talent level is high. Uh, when, he's, when his ceiling is there, he was up to the task. Um, Jake Plummer... Rose to the task, Jack, but sorry, Jack, I do Jack. that literally every time. Jack Plummer well, rose to the Jack task. Jack Plummer is the outlier. Yes. Jack Plummer is, like, like we talked about before, if Drew Pine is going to be uh, the, the guy to beat SC this week. That's it's still gonna only be 35 points. It's going to be because of what Jack Plummer did. Yeah. Right? But uh, but but that that level of, of play, that's, a, that's an outlier because uh, J.C. Strout re- reverted back to what – happens to quarterbacks against this USC defense when they get after him. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson put up 45 points on this USC defense, but also they forced him into four turnovers. They got the better of him, and DTR is one of the best quarterbacks the USC will have faced this year. Drew Pine doesn't, doesn't fit the mold of the quarterbacks that give USC's defense trouble. He's not a super mobile quarterback. Um, he doesn't always make great decisions. He doesn't have a great arm. He's not going to beat you straight up. So to me, it it really does come down to does USC rise to the occasion from a mentality perspective? Because if the defense, 
I saw. I, I, I wanted to point out the the last thing somebody on Twitter pointed out. We were talking about um, the uh, the committee calling out USC's defense and saying they wanted to see more from USC's defense. Yeah, USC should have that pinned on every defensive player's locker room uh, locker uh, this week, saying nobody believes in you. Nobody believes in you. Um, you want to see the defense rise up and respond almost exactly the way they did against UCLA. Who cares if they if they're getting yards? Who cares if they're burning you here and there? You force the turnovers, you win the game, right? And on the offensive side of the ball, if you're Caleb Williams and you're a Heisman candidate and you're Jordan Addison, you're Bolitnikov candidate, and you're Mario Williams and you want to prove that you're not just second fiddle to everybody else, and you're Kyle Ford and Taj Washington and Austin Jones and Darwin Barlow and Riley Brown and all of the talent that USC has played, I don't know how you stop this offense enough to make this interesting. Literally, yeah. literally what Notre Dame needs is the one moment of the game that 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 sort of flips the script and makes it chaos is a special teams play. And yeah. they could do that. They absolutely could. So maybe that's what the 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 formula for Notre Dame getting uh, an upset here. But if USC comes in with the right mindset, they will not get upset this week. If USC gets upset this week, I think it will be because they weren't ready for the occasion. Not no, because I, they couldn't I, match up. I I completely agree. I completely agree with that. I think that this is going to be one of those moments where if SC is ready and if the Coliseum is what it should be, which is absolutely rocking on Saturday night, I don't I don't want to see an empty seat there. Come on, like I I want yeah. it to to absolutely be what it can be. And if that energy is there, and if SC shows up, I I think that the, you know you know what I go back to. Uh, and I know that this is all anecdotal BS and, and whatnot, but 2004, SC beats Cal at home, the big Cal game, right? The the loudest moment the Coliseum's ever been, all that stuff. The next week they play a ASU team, which I don't know, maybe you can look this up, Alicia. I want to say ASU was ranked 15th uh, the oh, next week, 2004. 2004. 2004. Look, look it up while I'm talking. Uh the ASU team in, in 2004 comes into the Coliseum. SC, hot off the week against Cal, comes in and absolutely blows the doors off of them. I'm not going to say that this is going to be a blowout. I don't think I don't think SC can win a blowout with the, with the defense that is imperfect. Mm-hmm. But I think SC is learning that being imperfect is not the end of the world when you have an offense as good as you have. Uh, and I go back to the conversation we had in the chat uh, on, on Monday night that you just got to be accepting of what SC's defense is. Um, they are opportunistic. Um, they have a great havoc havoc man in in Tuli Tuipolotu. They have an excellent corner in Makai Blackman. They are flawed in almost every other area except for creating turnovers. And when they do those things, they get their stops. And that's how they work. They don't work in the way that is traditionally great. And that's why they're not going to be a defense you're going to talk about forever. And this probably isn't the team that's going to win a national championship. We all agree on those things. But when you look at uh, when you pair them with the offense that SC has, the quarterback that SC has in Caleb Williams, this just feels so much like sort of the teams of the past where you could just rely on your playmakers to, 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 to do the thing. And I know that SC fans got frustrated um, 
uh, like in 2020, the year we don't talk about when, when the playmakers came to be in the last minute, this is just different because they're doing it repeatedly mm-hmm. um, and, and winning the right way. So was I right? 15th? Uh, 19th. 19th. Okay. And she was 19th in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in 2004. And uh, yeah. no, sorry, sorry. They were 15th because they had a bye week. They were 15th. Yes. Yeah. So they moved up during their bye. Yeah. And, and yeah, in, in the chat, um, uh, it, my, my chat screen is all wonky at the moment, but um, uh, Dr. Dr. Carly, you says, yeah, SC won that game 45, seven and it was 42, uh, yeah. seven and a half. Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to be a, this... a complete repeat, but this team doing that same thing would be like a 17 point win because yeah. Drew Pine is going to get his in this game. The point is to limit him. We, if we SC to, just limits all of all of Notre Dame's opportunities, they, they they win the game as long as they maximize theirs. We need to discuss a few a few players on, on Notre Dame before we move on to over under. So just because I think we've been sort of speaking generalities a little bit more with this team, in part because it's hard to discuss individuals on this team when this team is so meh and medium. Um, but they have running backs in uh, Audric Estime and Logan Diggs who are, you know, SMA has 11 touchdowns on the ground this year, 782 yards. Diggs has 698 yards, two touchdowns. They're sort of splitting carries. Chris Tyree is an interesting back. He's got 399 yards on the ground, 128 yards, and two touchdowns through the air. So he's out there making plays occasionally. Um, Lorenzo Styles, Jaden Thomas, and Braden Lindsay at wide receiver. They can they can get going. So I think you will yeah. see those guys. And Michael uh, Mayer, like you mentioned, at tight end, and, is, and Michael is Mayer is, is the danger man uh, um, on offense. On defense, um, I think we want to call attention to Benjamin Morrison, the freshman cornerback who has five interceptions this season. But uh, we've also been told, you know, he's on a tear. He's having a hell of a season, but he's not, you know, he's not impervious. He, he can get got. And guess what? He has not faced a receiver that is as good as Jordan Addison this year. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, even 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 going against the guys that Ohio State has, Jordan Addison is still on that level. So so okay, I I I get what you're saying, but we need to remember they also played Ohio State. Yes, like yes, we do. It's just hard to that that game was so wonky and weird. It I know. Sort of. A, I no. I, yeah. I, I I get you. Yeah, but uh, the the you. point is that Notre Dame has some players, but USC has players too. USC has more players. USC will be at home. USC has something to play for. And I think that uh, we will see them play for it or we will see them lose. Dynamite analysis? We will see them play for it or see them lose? No, I'm just saying, like, if, if USC comes out knowing no, that I, they I, have I, to win this game if they want to stay alive for the playoff, right. no, I, then they will I, win the game. If just, USC comes out and plays tight. Drop. I just need the I know, drop. I know. Uh, it's it's not quite uh, not quite Mike from What's Bruin <laughs> saying the, the team that scores more than the other one will win, which is also the case in this game. All right, let's get to the over-under. But this is my last uh, analysis here. If ever there was a game for Lincoln Riley to come out and and just... The the, the phrase I'm I'm thinking of in my head is not something I think I can use on air. But uh, if, if Lincoln Riley wants to go out and sort of strut his stuff a little bit, this is the game to do it. Lincoln Riley should pull out all the stops and prove that he is the best offensive coordinator in the country because this is the real test for his uh, his offense against a good defense. 
Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. For the season, Alicia has 37 wins. I have 39 over-under wins. Alicia, what is your first over-under line? We're on 4.5 carries for Darwin Barlow. His season high for carries is five. He had that against Colorado and Rice. He had three very meaningful carries against UCLA. He's earned more carries though, right? Like he's earned more what he did against UCLA, like yeah. get that man the ball. So will he uh, be up there with his season? High? Will we see them respond to his performance against UCLA or will he retain his sort of like two or three carries a game 
uh, mantra? This is tough. I want to say over because I don't think four and a half is a big threshold for him to cross. At the same point, give me the under because looking back at the offensive performances that SC had uh, in those games against Oregon State, well, particularly Washington State, um, there weren't as many plays in that game. SC ran a, a season-high 81 plays last week uh, against UCLA. They ran 69 against Washington State. Um, I, I would expect fewer plays in this game just because it's going to be a little bit slower and a little bit more defensive at least, um, and maybe that keeps him under the four and a half. I see. I'm fine. I'm fine with taking. I'm fine with getting the over on this, to be honest. Cool. Uh, my over under is going to be 301.5. Caleb Williams passing yards. Uh, that seems like it shouldn't be a problem given the last few days, uh, last few weeks for passing for Caleb Williams. Uh, of course, he had 470 uh, against the Bruins. Uh, a few weeks past, he had 360 against Cal. 411 against Arizona, 381 against Utah. What is 301 and a half doing? Why is that line so low? Well, that's the number of yards 301 is that North Carolina quarterback and Heisman candidate Drake May threw four against Notre Dame. The season high for, for Notre Dame's secondary so far this year, he, he completed like 53% of his passes. Not great, but 301 yards and five TDs against the Irish the most that they've allowed this year. Can Caleb Williams surpass Drake May's performance over under 301.5 yards? So he had 188 against Washington State and 180 against Oregon State. Mm -hmm. So he has been limited uh, well below that in terms of, of yards, even if his impact is still strong. 284 against Fresno State. Um, I still like the over on this. I still like... USC to go in this game knowing that they need a big performance from Caleb Williams. I like um, Lincoln Riley setting up this passing game to succeed in this game. Um, I have trust in Austin Jones to run the ball the way he did against UCLA, but I still think that USC will ask Caleb Williams to go out there and sling it. So I'm going over. Yeah, probably a good pick. Uh, the, the line, the line, uh, I would not be surprised if this went under, to be honest. I would not. I I'm, I'm, was very tempted to take the under, so I don't think the line is okay. bad. All right. Uh, what's, your, what's your next one? All right. My next one is very simple. 37.5 points for USC. Notre Dame hasn't allowed more than 32 points all season. They did that against UNC and Navy. Um, Navy? <laughs> Again, another weird. This team is so weird. Uh, USC hasn't scored less than 40 points, however, in the last five games. They have been on a tear. So will USC not only set a new season high for what USC Notre Dame's defense is allowed, but will USC get up closer to 40 points in this game? All right. The the line, uh, of course, is is 35, what was it, 37 and a half. Mm -hmm. um, the most Notre Dame has allowed is 32. Uh, North Carolina scored 32 points. Navy scored 32 points. Um I think the 30s feels right for SC's score here. But give me the over. I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to risk it for the biscuit. I like it. Um, I, I, I wish I had baited you into that under uh, uh, because I liked the over as well. 
I know that Notre Dame has limited teams this year. I do not think Notre Dame has played a team rocking and rolling on offense. Notre Dame's lucky they played Ohio State in week one. I, I think it's more likely that, that this skews over uh, and ends up in a shootout than it does to the under. Yeah. Um, like, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if this does end up being a shootout and, you know, uh, Mayor goes off and, and, and Pine gets in a rhythm and, and, and get Notre Dame gets theirs. But I think that even if that happens, SC is going to score more than 38. Um, let's go to my next one, which is over under 4.91 yards per carry for the Trojans. That is exactly what Ohio State rushed for in week one against Notre Dame. The Irish have been very good against the run for the most part, um, but a couple of bad games against Marshall and Navy. I'm willing to give the Irish a big mulligan for the Navy game. Navy, of course, Navy's triple weird. option. Yeah. It's weird, whatever. I'm not going to hold that one against them. Um, but 4.91 is what Ohio State did in week one. SC is averaging 5.34 yards per carry this season. We know the Trojans by far are the number one team in the country in opportunity rate, which are rushes gaining four-plus yards. SC um, is an elite rushing team when they want to run the football. Uh, will they get over 4.91? Uh, of course, they had 4.71 against UCLA last week, which, which was under, partially affected by sacks. Notre Dame's defensive opportunity rate is 77th in the country. Uh, it's 48.8%. I think that um, Austin Jones has proven he can be relied upon. Yeah, I think that USC uses their running game efficiently and effectively, if not uh, a little bit sparingly. Um, so I'm going to go over very uncomfortably going to go over. I, 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 my instinct says to take the under here, but I'm going to bank on, on Austin Jones actually in this game All right. and this offensive line. I, I think that one's going to be a pretty big gamble for you, but we'll, we'll yeah. see how uh, it plays out. What's your, what's your last over in I've got 300.5 passing yards for Drew Pine. His season high is 289 versus North Carolina. USC is allowing 257.8 yards per game uh, through the air, but they allowed Jack Plummer to toss 406 yards for his season high. Cam Rising had his season high against this defense. DTR didn't get didn't get there, but he was close to his season high. Um, so quarterbacks have, have, have put up yards, passing yards on on this uh, this defense. So will Drew Pine pull a Jack Plummer and uh, set his season high, or will USC be able to limit him? Yes, I am going to take the over here. I think Notre Dame will be able to move the ball, especially through the air. Uh, I kind of like SC to get Tuli Tuipolotu involved a lot. Uh, up front um, maybe that ends up me- meaning more pressure on the quarterback maybe it ends up taking away a little bit of the run as well um, but I think the passing lanes are going to be there especially if SC continue to continues to not have an answer for uh, tight ends Michael Zeke went off last week for the Bruins we know that Dalton Kincaid went off for, for Utah earlier this year I think Mayer goes off and Pine goes off uh, at least for for yardage for sure Okay, I can see it. I can see it. Um, personally, I would like to see USC do to Drew Pine what he looked like in his in his opening game, where he is rattled by that pass rush. Yeah. Um, and and limit if, his yards that way. If Tuli can eat, then then that would be huge, huge for yeah. the Trojans indeed. 
my last over under is 1.5 fourth down attempts for the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame is 95th in the nation on fourth down at 42.9%. They've only attempted it 14 times this season. That's 110th in the country. Ironically, tied with the Trojans. The Trojans have only attempted 14 times. However, eight of those 14 attempts came in their losses to Marshall and Stanford for each in those games. So the games in which they are pressured, uh, they end up going forward a bit on fourth down. So one and a half fourth down attempts for the Irish. I actually like the over here. I think that uh, Notre Dame is in a bit of a playing with house money situation because Mm -hmm. they're not in the playoff race. They're just trying to go out there and get their signature win for the season uh, and, and, and set up for a stronger 2023. So, yeah, I think they're going to be willing to go for it. I think we've seen USC's uh, defense struggle to get off the field at times. So, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, going to be a fun one to watch, see if SC uh, ends up holding them there or what. Uh, both these teams sort of reluctant to go for it on fourth down. Uh, let's get to game predictions. Bill Connolly's numbers has SC winning 36-25 with a 72% win probability for the Trojans. Vegas has SC at five-and-a-half-point favorites, 38-26 if you want to do sort of the uh, uh, the, the numbers with, with things like um, uh, over-under and whatnot. Um, Alicia, what's your, what's your prediction? I've got USC winning this game 39-28. to I don't think it'll be comfortable. I think it will be a bit of a slog. But I do think that Caleb Williams will rise to the occasion and the USC offense will rise to the occasion and put up 39 points on this uh, on this on this solid Notre Dame defense. I think that Notre Dame will score some points, but ultimately it'll be turnovers that keeps them from getting above 30. I think that there will be turnovers in this game for the Irish. Um, Like I said before, the only way that uh, Notre Dame wins this game outside of USC just not being ready for the moment is if special teams becomes the storyline. All right, I I I think that's a well reasoned, uh, well reasoned explanation. All of that makes sense. I nearly went with an identical prediction, to be quite honest, uh, but I'm going to change it a little bit. SC wins forty one twenty seven. going get, up. SC gets their yards. SC gets their points. Notre Dame gets gets some yards and some points too. But I kind of liken this to feeling a little bit like the maybe the Stanford game at times where. There's going to be moments where Notre Dame moves to the ball at ease, uh, but SC has the firepower to sort of um, keep things um, under control. So we'll see how that goes on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. on ABC. Um, we got one email uh, from Tom. Hi, Alicia and Michael. The last question on the most recent episode asked if there will be a lasagna at Thanksgiving. That got me thinking. If you stuff a chicken in a duck and then put it in a turkey, you get a turducken. What happens if you stuck, stuff a smaller turkey in a bigger turkey? Is it just a turkey or do you now have two turkeys? And is the answer any different if you stack the turkeys? Thanks, Tom <laughs> in the Cayman Islands. Tom, I love you. Uh, the family that we're staying with also loves you because this prompted an immediate debate uh, among the household. So, (laughs) yes, here is my uh, very quick perspective. When you put a chicken in a duck and then put that in a turkey, you don't say that you have a turkey because the turkey is the thing on the outside. You say you got a turducken because you are acknowledging that there are three things that are going into that. 
So if you take a smaller turkey and stuff it into a bigger turkey, you have two turkeys. You have a smaller turkey and a bigger turkey. Um, if you stack the turkeys, you still have two turkeys because a turkey is a turkey. It is its own structural thing. Just because you put it inside something or outside something does not mean that you lose the identity of that thing. Now, if you took the meat of all of those turkeys and shredded it and put it all in one big bowl, you would have turkey meat. Yes. But there is no plural yes. involved in turkey meat because turkey meat is no limit on how many turkeys go into it. Just like eggs are not a question of how many eggs went into it. You have scrambled eggs that are scrambled together. Correct. Yes. This is how you how you serve it. Um, because, yeah, how do you serve it? Do you serve this in, in one bowl where it's all shredded together? You could have had eight turkeys or one turkey. It's just turkey at that point. Um, if you take it into two different birds and shred it a different way or put, put it on two different plates, then yeah, you have two turkeys. Like, like stuffing and turkey are two different things when they're separate. When If you put them on the same bowl and you mix them together, it's then one product. I mean, it's turkey and stuffing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kingsfan says, did you see Joel Klatt calling out the CFP committee on his show? Uh, no, I haven't seen those. Quotes. I saw the I saw the quotes, um, and I think that he's. I get basically what he said is that the committee loses its um, credibility when it ranks someone like USC behind LSU, and uh, so I get what he's saying. But also, like I said, the week 13, 12, and and all of these rankings are always a mess. When they get to the end of the season, they always fo follow yeah. a formula. So I think spending too much time like worrying about what the rankings look like in week 13, they're always going to look like a mess because guess what? The resumes are a mess because they're not complete yet. Th those rankings are inherently flawed because it's designed to pretend like the season is over. Yes. Which and means conference championships are not in play. Right. And, uh, and there's all sorts of other factors that you're going into. Yeah. Hi, Mrs. Do you, do you agree with Clat that saying that Notre Dame will win on Saturday? He says their DBs are tough to throw at. I, I think Notre Dame will per absolutely prevent the uh, present the challenge uh, for Caleb Williams. But like I said before, Caleb Williams is on a completely different level than he was earlier on in the season. Mm -hmm. So I think he can be slowed down by a very good defense, but slowing him down at this pace still is a high velocity Caleb Williams. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's still performing uh, at at such a high level. Um, let's go to Mark says, is their, is their running game that much better than the Bruins? I don't think they are in most games that I've watched. They seem to be trash. They've just gotten lucky and have beaten bad teams. They don't have a running back. That's nearly as good as Zach Charbonnet. And I don't think they have a running game. That's as good as UCLA's is capable of being. They do have capable running backs. Like the, the running backs are, have been effective. They have been productive. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not an issue of like, they cannot run the ball. They can, um, the question is, like, if you USC could stop Zach Charbonnet or limit, I don't think USC stopped Zach Charbonnet, to be quite honest. USC limited his impact. Yes. If they could do it to him, then they could do it to, to Notre Dame, especially when they have to worry a lot less about the quarterback when, uh, when game planning for uh, this offense. Yes. Uh, that, that's it for me is that Notre Dame doesn't have necessarily a high level playmaker on offense outside of Mayor at tight end. And tight end is absolutely a position that has killed SC so far this year and you should worry about, but I don't think those skilled guys are at receiver or running back. Uh, Ramon Murdy says, how much will the home factor 
home crowd factor factor into the game after wins uh, against UCLA last week. I think it should matter. I think it absolutely should matter. If this game was at uh, South Bend, I think we'd be talking about it completely differently. I know I play into home road splits as being something that matters. Um, Notre Dame earlier on in the season played better away from the away from home, but lately they've played better at home. Uh, and SC, frankly, the 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 difficult games have been at home. It's hard to manage what the home road splits are because. SC's schedule has just been easier at home. Yeah, Notre Dame is that rare team that sort of statistically um, has played better on the road. But so much of that is because they were playing so horrendously at home. Yeah. So, like, it's not that they were playing well on the road, like, playing like that they were better. The Marshall and Stanford games sort of ruined that. But since then, they had the big blowout of, of, Clemson at home. They beat yeah. Boston College at home. So yeah. they've gotten better. They've, they've They're such better. a weird team. Yeah. It's it's hard to make heads or tails of them. But the fact is that USC having home field advantage is an advantage to USC. Yeah, and I do want to see the Coliseum absolutely uh, be raucous this week. It hasn't been all year. Um, it needs to absolutely come in glued for sure. Yeah. Uh, SJ with the final question. If you stack two Notre Dame quarterbacks, will he be able to throw over eric gentry probably not um no i i i think it wouldn't be maybe might be harder to throw over any linebacker if if a quarterback was stacked on top of another quarterback like footwork has a lot to do with how you throw the ball so like the whole stacked thing might be uh counterproductive but um yeah yeah having eric gentry potentially back that much closer to healthiness also is another factor in this game that we haven't really talked about but it is something to think about yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes of that and what comes of the game. Saturday, 4.30 p.m. on ABC. We'll be back, of course, live with a car cast after to talk about all the happenings. Uh, we'll, we'll see if R1 in the chat got his dream scenario or if the <laughs> rest of the chat got their dream scenario. We'll give you our reactions and so much more. As always, uh, play the over-under game. Don't forget to make, to make your picks. Uh, the link is in the description, as always. Uh, you can send us your emails at randomtroyatfanside.com, and we will see you Saturday nights uh, with our car cast. Until then, uh, have a great Thanksgiving. And Alicia, you got a final word? Yeah, my final word is is thankful. I think that um, you know Thanksgiving is is around. It's a time for us in our own personal lives to think about what we're thankful for. Um, but as sports fans, I think it's important also to think about what you can be thankful for. And this is the first year in a while that I think USC fans should take a moment to reflect on what this season is, what the hopes for the future are, mm-hmm. and be really thankful that we're not like grasping at straws to figure out like what USC fans should be thankful for, which is something I've had to do in the past when I've been writing more about this team. Be thankful for getting to go into Notre Dame week with a college football playoff on the line with a rivalry matchup as exciting as this one. Uh, and knowing that uh, win or lose, like the future is incredibly bright for this program. So yeah, be thankful and uh, enjoy your turkey yeah, or yeah. your prime rib or your ham or We're your, yeah, or canola stos. Not ham because ham's garbage, but we'll oh, talk like about ham. that in a later episode. Yeah. Uh, we will be back Saturday night. So until then, we will see you. See ya. Yeah. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.